Good morning. Gonna get, we're going to get situ, situated here in just a moment. It's a blessing to uh, be here with you guys today. Welcome to Bethany Baptist. Um, it's always an honor to stand in for Pastor Marvin. Um, welcome to you guys that's watching on Facebook today. I pray that uh, very soon that you'll be able to join us here live in the church um, to be an encouragement to all of your fellow brethren, to be an encouragement to your pastor. And so hopefully uh, for you guys that are traveling and or out sick, we're praying for you and hopefully we can see you soon. Amen? Amen. So if you got your Bible, please turn to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. This is a very familiar passage, amen, because it is Christmas. But as you turn to Luke chapter 2, uh, a while ago I was talking with a worker in Office Depot. I had to go in there and get some paper and some things, and we were talking in there about how people look at Christmas nowadays, how it's become mostly about the presents and making sure that this year's gift, gift is better than last year's gift. And, and I understand that. I get that. And most people are now focused on Santa and how really Christmas has become very secular uh, in these last years. And I looked at the young man and I said, you know, brother, it's not your birthday. And he looked at me and he said, ooh, you're going to get something started up in here. And he began to talk um, uh, some more and he, he started talking about, you know, really, man, we, we should be telling people the Christmas story in June. We ought to be telling them in July. We should be telling them in August and September. We should be telling folks the good news of how Jesus came and why he came. And I said, so what you're telling me, my brother, is that every day for the Christian is Christmas. He spoke to me a little bit louder and said, ooh, you're going to get something started up in here. Before you know it, we had five or six people gathered around us right there in the middle of Office, office Depot and church broke out. Amen. Yeah, because when you start talking about the Lord and Savior, something's going to get started. Amen. But really, quite simply, it's not your birthday. It's not your birthday. I mean, even if you, you were born on the 24th or 25th, I mean, I understand that it is your, your birthday, but your birthday didn't cause Christmas. You didn't start Christmas, amen. Christmas didn't come from a man, it came from God. And so, we just have to remember, it's not your birthday, it's not my birthday. It's the birthday of Christ. And so here in Luke chapter 2, we find the Christmas story, as I like to call it. The Christmas story. I'm going to read verses 7 through 11, just a really, really short part of it. I remember um, growing up as a child in my, in my home, we always did Christmas up very big. Uh, we would have all the, you know, everybody would be over, not just my immediate family, but a lot of the nieces and nephews and people like that. We had a big, a big Christmas and a big meal and everything. And, and so my mom would always get the Bible, turn it to Luke chapter 2. And when we sat in there in the living room where the Christmas tree was with all the gifts were, 
she would get out that Bible and she would say, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pass the Bible around. Each one of you kids is going to read two or three verses of the Christmas story. And we did that every single year. And yeah, we griped and we complained, right? Because we just wanted to tear open some gifts, right? Amen? But you know, that's something I've never forgotten. That is something that will stand the test of time. And so I encourage you this year, whenever you get together, no matter where, wherever you're at, in your home, in your cousin's home, wherever you're gathering, somebody take that Bible and scrape some dust off of it, right? Open it to Luke chapter 2 and pass it around and read the Christmas story. I'm telling you, people may complain, but they'll never forget it. Because you know what? God's Word is powerful. God's Word stands the test of time. It'll be just what somebody there needed. Amen? Amen. So I want to encourage you to do that. Here we go. Luke chapter 2. As, as we uh, read God's Word, please stand out of reverence to Him. I'm going to read verses 7 through 11. 7 through 11. You ready? Here we go. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Heavenly Father, oh, we thank you so much for the best free Christmas gift ever. God, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for your Son. And God, I pray today that you speak to our hearts, that you tell us things that we need to hear. Reveal yourself to us here today. God, I pray that you've already gone before me today, Father. You're already making the path straight here today, Father. And you've already prepared the hearts for your message and your word. And so, God, I do pray, just like my brother Jonathan prayed, God, if somebody is here that's lost, I pray you save them today. But, God, I pray that we walk out of here encouraged. God, I pray that we walk out of here focused on the real reason for the season. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The real reason for the season. But I want to just focus on, I don't want to just focus on how he came, right? But why he came. Why he came. Luke 2.11, For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There has been born for you, sir, a Savior. There has been born for you, ma'am. You see, God, right from the get-go, makes it personal. Because he's a personal type kind of God. Amen? And I mean, he's sitting here telling us, but for you, sir, today a Savior has been born. I don't know about you guys, but that will make me rejoice in and of itself right there. Why? Because I need a Savior. What do Saviors do? They save people, amen. Why did He have to come to save me? Because I was a sinner. And sin separates me from Him. And so I needed 
to repent of my sins and place my faith and trust in Christ and be redeemed back into the family of God. Because I was a sinner. And the Bible says that we have all sinned and, and come short of the glory of God. The thing is, not everybody realizes that they're sinners. I mean, how can you get saved if you don't realize you need a Savior? I talk to people all the time out witnessing. I asked a guy a couple of days ago, I was walking down the sidewalk, and only in Louisiana in December can you see somebody watering flowers. <laughs> but that's what he was doing. <laughs> Even before all the rain, he was out there watering flowers. And so I asked him, I said, hey, man, if you had a heart attack out here today watering these flowers, you think you'd go to heaven? Boy, he thought for like 10 seconds. He said, I believe I will. I said, awesome, man. I said, why do you think you're going to go to heaven when you die? And he thought for another 10 seconds. He says, man, I watch a sermon every morning before I come to work. He says, I say my prayers, I go to church. I was like, man, that's great. But none of that is going to get you to heaven. I said, you must be born again. You see, everybody I talk to, nine out of ten, will give me I'm a good person answer. Either a good person or a good works type answer. Why do you need a Savior if you don't know you need saving? I mean, deep down, we know we do things wrong. We know we're sinners. I don't have to explain that to people. But that's just the answer we get. For one reason, there are a few going to heaven because they don't think they need saving from anything. Even the Bible in Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. But here's the part I like. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. But the free gift, it's the free gift. Christmas is the best gift ever, and it's free. Amen? Oh, listen, it wasn't free to God. Don't diminish the price of the gift because it's free to us. And it surely wasn't free to Jesus, amen? I mean, when you think about it, it cost God His Son and His Son His life. He gave His life for today, for you, a Savior has been born. He gave everything. You know, I was thinking, you know, I, don't know, I know a lot of daddies out there, and they would give anything for their daughter. I mean, they would, they would literally, I think some of them would literally trade their life for their kid. But would they trade their life for the drug addict down on the corner? Would they trade their life for the alcoholic? Would they trade their life for the guy sitting in the jail cell that's murdered five people? Would they trade their life for the rapist and the thief? That's what he did. That's what he did. Wow. He gave it all. And for us, the free gift. But we have to receive it. You know, I tell people, if we take the gift, right, if we take your Christmas gift and set it on the corner and don't open it up, it's not much of a gift, is it? It's not really even your gift. You don't even know what's in it. You have to receive the free gift and open it up in Christ Jesus. Amen? I hope that makes sense. Jesus says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. But until you recognize yourself as a sinner, 
then you'll be unwilling to repent. God knew all along that from the beginning that he would send a Savior. Even before the foundation of the world, he already had it all planned out. There's many predictions in the Old Testament of the coming Messiah. Many predictions all throughout the Old Testament. In Genesis 3.15, Eve was promised that a male descendant would come and crush the head of the serpent. This is a promise fulfilled in Christ's, Christ's victory over Satan, a victory in which all believers will share, amen, because Christ has overcome death, hell, and the grave. We too will overcome death, hell, and the grave, amen? In 2 Samuel 7.12, it talks of a coming king from the, David, the line of David, and through him the kingdom would be firmly established. It goes on in Psalms 2 and 7 and says the Messiah will be declared the Son of God. If you go further through there and throughout Psalms, we can find where, there, where later he would be called king and how he would be praised by little children, then falsely accused and betrayed and hated without a cause. Over in Isaiah, it said he'd be crucified with criminals. Then in Psalms 94, 15, said he'd resurrect from the dead. Psalms 24 says he would ascend to heaven. And Psalms 101, uh, Psalms 110, 1 says that he is now seated at the right hand of God. What I'm saying is the whole Old Testament points to the coming of Christ. Every chapter points to, I mean, every, uh, every book points to the coming of Christ. I believe that Jesus is mentioned in every book. It may be the, kingsman, the kinsman's redeemer. He may not be mentioned by name, but he's in there. Amen. It all points to him. It all points to him. In layman's terms, it all points to him. I'm thankful for Christmas. I know J. Barton Payne, an old Bible scholar, he listed some 574 verses in the Old Testament that has direct personal messianic foretellings. Over 570 in the Old Testament. God sent His Son who willingly laid down His life for us. Amen. That should really make us rejoice. That should really just make us break out in a time of praising to God. Luke 2, 13 and 14 says, And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. It says, And suddenly there appeared with the angel a, a whole bunch a whole multitude of the heavenly host. And what was they doing? They were praising God. Amen. That's what they were. They were praising God. And then in 14, glory to God in the highest. I'm telling you, Christmas, we really need to be praising God. We really need to be joyful and thanking God. And I know it's, it's, it's hard sometimes because we are going through some things here on this earth. But in verse 20, as the shepherds was leaving baby Jesus, what did they do in verse 20? 
as they were leaving. It says the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as has been told them. They went back praising and glorifying God for all they had heard and seen. Listen, every day for the Christian should be Christmas indeed. We ought to be walking around every day praising and glorifying God for what we have seen and heard. Amen? I mean, every day is Christmas for the Christian. Every day. Every day. Christmas is a time of great joy. And if we're focused on Christ, do you know what? It will be. It will be if we're focused on Christ. The problem is sometimes we lose our focus. Whew. I know I just said a whole mouthful right there, didn't I? Sometimes we lose our focus. Sometimes sometimes bad things happen. I know the first Christmas after the death of my wife, um, and I've shared my testimony with you, you know that she had committed suicide when I was at home with her um, one day about six, about six or seven months after that, I was at our home for Christmas. And it was in the evening. I had went out and bought a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. I don't know if you ever <laughs> ever seen one of those. It was a sad-looking little tree. It was about this tall, right? A little pine tree with no decorations on it. It was really sad. And I went to the store, and I, I bought a a bone for my dog, one bone, right? Didn't even wrap it up, just had it sitting under the tree. And I was sitting there, and I was looking at that tree, and I was looking at that bone, and I had my favorite Christmas movie on of all time, It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. And I was sitting there, and man, I'm telling you, I started getting depressed, and I started feeling lonely, and the room just started like seeming like it was just closing in on me. And because the movie itself can be sad at times. That's kind of a sad movie, you know. And so there I was getting depressed. And quite frankly, I was just having a pity party, if you want to get right down to it. I was just having a pity party. And I remember looking at that sad tree and being jolted, just jolted with God speaking to me. He jolted me awake and alert with these words. He said, stop being depressed and stop having a pity party. Now listen, God spoke to me. As, I mean, to me it's as loud as I'm speaking to you, but it comes from within inside. It's the Holy Spirit speaking and that's what he told me he said stop being depressed and stop having a pity party and so I went and got the bone out of the from under the tree I went and gave it to the dog I took the tree threw it outside amen and I made a decision to get on with my life at that very point that's what I did that's what I did and so what I'm telling you is I know during Christmas, it, it can be a depressing time. It can be a time to get sad and be sad. We've lost family members. We're going through things that's horrible. Maybe somebody's marriage is falling apart. There's other issues financially. It's just stuff going on right now. The last thing we want to be is joyful. But if God told me that day to stop having a pity party and to stop being depressed, I'm telling you the same thing. 
I'm telling you the same thing today. If he told me that, I can tell you that. Amen? And I'm telling you, with the, with the proper focus, Christmas can be all the joy and all the praise it's meant to be. It can be. Put your focus back on Christ and I promise you, you can't help but be happy. You can't help but be joyful. Start glorifying God. Start praising Him for the real reason for the season. And that frown will turn upside down. I can assure you, He'll give you the peace that surpasses all understanding and help you what you're going through today. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I shared, I shared this message uh, a lot even in, even in the prisons I go to because it can be really tough on an inmate during Christmas in prison. I mean, listen, I, I've told those guys, listen, whatever sin you committed, whatever consequence that came from that sin, you're serving that out. You're doing that right now as you deserve to be. But that doesn't mean you don't wish you was at home with your family. That doesn't mean you don't wish you was having a good meal. That doesn't mean you don't wish you was opening presents right now. They miss their family just like we do. And I said, but with a proper focus, you too can be joyful right here in this jail cell. You know why? Because all that other stuff ain't Christmas. Christ is Christmas. Christ is Christmas. Christ is the real reason for this season. Can't even spell Christmas without Christ. And so it's all about our focus. It's all about getting tuned back in to the real deal, to what's uh, to, to the real reason for the season. And yes, I love, I love presents as well as any. I'm not saying don't go get presents or don't know presents. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is keep Him first. Keep God first. Amen? That, that's all I'm saying. Jesus applies Isaiah's messianic truth to Himself in Luke chapter 4. And it's in 18, but I'm going to read, I'm going to read 16 to, through 21. Check this out. Now, this was written over in Isaiah chapter 61. Now here, check this out talking about Jesus in chapter 4, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth, Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath. I, I got He entered the synagogue on the, sab, on the Sabbath, as was his custom. He, he went to church. <laughs> For you people on Facebook, he went to church. He was in church, as was his custom, amen. The only snapshot of we, that we have of Christ, of, of Jesus, in between the birth and at about, uh, you know, when he started his ministry after, thir- after 30 years of age, it's like a little short window, uh, around 12 to 13 years old, where Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. They lost him, right? And, and they found him. And, and what, he, what did he say? <laughs> he, he said, where did you think I was going to be? I had to be in my father's house. He was in the church. Just go to church. Now, I'm off of that. 
So here I go. Let me finish. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and he was, as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus says, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down and all the eyes of the synagogue were fixed upon him. Can you imagine? Over in Isaiah, all of those years before, it was written for just that moment. And here, the book is handed, handed to Jesus, and he is fulfilling it it's himself right here. Man, I wish I could have been in that room. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are, who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. I don't know about y'all, but that's some good news right there. Amen, preacher. That's some good news right there. Wow. He says, today is fulfilled. He says, today it's fulfilled. I'm standing here. The kingdom is near. It, today is fulfilled. Wow. By the way, we're truth together in his name. He gathers. It's being fulfilled even today. For today, for you, sir, for you, ma'am, a Savior has been born. For I, the Lord, do not change. He is the same yesterday as today as forever. For to you, today, a Savior. Wow. I do pray that we have peace this Christmas. I do pray that we can leave out of here rejoicing and praising God because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. By the way, over in Isaiah, even before chapter 61, over in verse 9, check this out. This is what it says uh, in, verse six, in verse 6. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Huh. Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And in Him, there is no end of peace. Amen. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus as Lord, you don't have peace. It's impossible for you to possess the kind of peace that He's talking about here. So I would just say, allow Christ to rule and reign in your heart and you'll be at peace. John 16 33 says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you have peace. So that in me you may have peace. He says, in the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. He says, I've overcome it. In me you may have peace. Man, that's a big fat amen right there. In me you may have peace. 
When we step out of Christ and start focusing on our own situations and our own predicaments and our own trials and tribulations, we're not going to have peace, man. But when I focus on Christ, guess what's coming to me? Peace is on its way. Peace is on its way. So I have to stay focused. I have to focus 24-7 because I'm prone to look off. I'm prone to step off the path if, if we're not careful. And there we go. We're out in disarray and, 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 and messing up with no peace. So we have to stay focused and get our minds right and, 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 and grasp a hold of the real reason for the season. Amen. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. I don't know if you've ever heard that poem or that old chorus, chorus written by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. I believe it was penned on Christmas Day back in 1864. You know, Henry was married for a while. It was the love of his life, man. And she was everything to him and um, one uh, a few years before that um, she was um, fixing some letters with some a candle and some wax and that's how they closed the envelopes back then with the wax and it caught her dress on fire and and she was burning, and, and he ran in the room and tried to put it out with a rug, and it didn't work, and so he wrapped both arms around her, and um, the next day she died. And he was so badly burned and in pain that he couldn't even go to the funeral. He was crushed, to say the least. A few years after that, his eldest son went off as a lieutenant in the Civil War and got badly injured. A bullet clipped his spine and so he was taking care of him after that and it was just a really dark time for him. He said in his journal, all of the kids were saying Merry Christmas but no more Merry Christmas for me. It was a very sad time for the poet. On Christmas Day, he was helping his son and he heard the bells tolling and it gave him some peace. But let me read the first chorus of I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Its lyrics are, And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace. On earth I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And if we're not careful, this is our anthem. If we're not careful, all we can see is our despair in the situation that we're in. If we're not careful, all we see is all of the hate out in the world today. All we have to do is look in the news and, and read the newspaper or listen to the radio. It's, it's just a bunch of hate out in the world today. And if we're not careful, this is the part we embrace. But I'm so thankful that he didn't end the course there. The rest says, Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead. Nor does he sleep. 
the wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Christmas Day They're all familiar carols play And mild and sweet their songs repeat Of peace on earth, goodwill to men And the bells are ringing In my heart I hear them Like a choir singing Peace on earth Goodwill to men And in despair I bow my head There is no peace on earth Strong and marks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But the bells are ringing like a choir singing 
today that you reach out and grasp Christmas. I pray today that you reflect on the real reason for the season. God does not sleep, nor is he dead. 